this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Jamie All Over. I had a hard time getting started today. It's almost 4 p.m. on Monday. I posted a collaboration that I was so excited to be a part of with the animal rights organization called Direct action everywhere. That came out this morning. It's to promote the right to rescue. So if you are interested in that, please check out my Instagram at Jamie Lynn all over. It's right on my page. Share it. Sign the petition. The state of Utah has passed a bill that no longer gives people the right to rescue animals who are injured or dying. And this came right after a jury found two animal activists, Paul and Wayne, not guilty for rescuing two sick piglets from a Smithfield factory farm. But because they were found not guilty, the state right away passed a law so that this could never happen again. And if there are any activists or people wanting to rescue sick and injured animals, they can now go to jail for it. So the Right to Rescue is an initiative to change this legislature, and it's a very important cause to me. This is why I do anything that I do is for the animals. So if you'd like to help in any way, please share it and sign the petition. I'm drinking a GT's kombucha in the flavor Sacred Life. I don't know if this is new or if it's just new to me. It's blue in color. I initially thought it tasted like a pina colada, but after reviewing the ingredients, there's actually no pineapple in it, but there is coconut in it. It is just so refreshing, so good. I have maybe one a day. If you saw my fridge, you would think I was obsessed, which I probably am. I have so many of these. I'm trying to see what's in it so I can let you know if you are a kombucha fan. I know it's an acquired taste. Black tea, green tea, kiwi juice, young coconut water, fresh pressed ginger, blue spirulina, which gives it the blue color. Yeah, that's it. It's delicious. So that's what I'm drinking. We are going on a road trip, Ivy and I and my mom tomorrow. We're going to go up north to San Luis Obispo. I also have to book my 
flights and hotel for the live podcast that I'm doing in New York next month. That's going to be on May 19th at the Vegan Women's Summit in New York City. I had a pretty good weekend. Let me think about my whole week in general. So I know whatever day I had therapy on, which may have been Tuesday, I fired my therapist. I know I had been not liking her for some time now, and I finally gave her the boot. I was annoyed with her from the very start because she kept pushing self-care on me. And she's like, you just need to do a routine and you need to journal and you just need to do this every day. That's what you have to do. And I'm like, no, my problem is I don't have a routine and I can't start one. I think I have ADHD, among other things, and I would like some cognitive behavioral therapy to deal with my ADHD symptoms to possibly not have to go on meds. I'm not sure if I want to go on meds or not. And until I get my diagnosis and until I know what's actually going on, I'd like some help with these symptoms. And this is before I got my diagnosis. And she was like, well, I don't think it's that. You can't blame these things on that. The fact that you left your belongings while traveling in Dallas. Everybody forgets things time to time. And what I think you have is anxiety. And I was like, I don't have anxiety. It's never really been an issue for me. And she was basically trying to tell me things that I don't have and discredit the ADHD, which really ended up pissing me off when I did more research on it and after I was officially diagnosed because women in general get overlooked so much and they're so underdiagnosed for this. What I'm learning, a lot of professionals don't even have the skills or the knowledge or expertise to treat women with ADHD because it was so heavily studied on men and it's so different in us. So after I did get my diagnosis, I was very happy to bring that to her attention. She still tried to tell me that I have anxiety and depression and was completely ignoring the ADHD situation. And I was like, look, if I have bouts of depression, which yes, I do, I'm sure, it's stemming from these ADHD symptoms. It's stemming from the fact that my entire life I've dealt with my brain working in a certain way that most people's brains don't work this way, trying to fit into this world that is not made for these types of people and feeling certain ways about that, whether it's hearing negative comments all the time. I was actually just reading kids with ADHD hear about 20,000 more negative comments than kids who don't have it. And it's stuff like, oh, why can't you remember this? Or, oh, you should have done it this way. Or you need to just let it go. Or like all of these comments that we hear over our lifetime that they're just negative and they just like get ingrained in us. So of course it can show up as depression. And I'm sure for other people, it can definitely show up as anxiety. But I was just so annoyed with my therapist that I had to fight with her even, you know, and it's it's been a battle my whole life to like figure out what was wrong with me. And I just want someone on my side who knows what I'm going through and knows how to help me. I specifically said to her in my last session, that I was like, maybe I need a specialist. And she got so defensive. And she was like, we're all trained in this. I'm like, oh, God. But no, that's not true. Some people specialize in different areas. Everyone is not equally trained in every area of therapy. Like, give me a break. And then she kept going back to that damn self-care and telling me that I had to do a routine. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, you're stressing me out, actually, and you're making me feel worse about myself by just constantly saying I need to do a routine and that's what's going to fix everything. Because my problem is I can't do a routine. 
I need to figure out how to do it. You can't just tell me I need to do it. Another hurdle with her is that I never told her I was a podcaster because I'm talking shit about her on my podcast, right? So I'm like, oh my God, I can't tell her I do this because what if she asks the name or looks it up and then listens and then hears me talking shit about her? I don't know. Is that paranoia? Is that me being narcissistic, thinking that my therapist is even going to go look up my podcast? But like, I don't know. It was an actual legitimate thought that could happen. So I never told her I podcast, which became an issue in my last session because she was like, how was your week? And I was stressed out about some things happening within the podcast world, and I couldn't even tell her. So now I'm like, okay, this is a problem because I'm hiding things from my therapist. (laughs) This is defeating the entire purpose of having a therapist. So now moving forward, when I do find my next one, he or she definitely has to be specialized in treating women with ADHD. And I'm not going to let anyone tell me there's no such thing as someone who specializes in that. Maybe not specialized, but experienced in it at the least. And then on top of it, I'm going to be very upfront with what I do. And I won't talk shit about that next therapist if I have an issue. (laughs) This way I can be fully open in my therapy, which means I guess I'm not being fully open on the podcast, which kind of sucks. But I'll tell you after the fact, if I end up getting rid of the next one or if there's issues with the next one, I guess I'll tell you after the fact, I won't put it out there first for my therapist to hear, who probably would not even listen to my podcast anyway. Oh, my God. I think it's important to bring this up, though, because not everyone finds the right fit. And I don't want you to think it's you. And I don't want you to think therapy isn't for you or it can't help. Here I am still trying And I know that there's the right fit out there for me. I do. So I won't stop looking. And then Saturday, I went to a vegan potluck dinner party, which was glorious. So this dinner party was in Brentwood, and it was hosted by my friend who goes by Farmer Nick on Instagram. And he is a plant lover. He is a plant doctor unofficially. He was on Instant Dream Home on Netflix. He, I guess, did the landscaping portion. I should watch this. I haven't watched it yet. He also wrote a couple books, Plant Coach, The Beginner's Guide to Caring for Plants and the Planet. Love him. He's so cute. Aw, he's amazing. So he's all about no waste, sustainable living. So he hosts these, I guess, semi-annual dinner parties in his gorgeous, lush, green backyard, and everyone brings a vegan dish. And there was about 50 of us. The food was incredible. We had a vegan chef among one of the attendees, so his food was phenomenal, but everyone's food was phenomenal as well. I hope you watched my stories because I showed the entire spread, and it was beautiful. I was probably the only one who did not cook. I brought carne asada burritos from Sugar Taco. But it was such a nice evening, and I had to actually force myself to go. I knew that this was something really special and something I wanted to be a part of, so I'm very glad that I forced myself up to go. I met some amazing people. I reconnected with some people who I'm already friends with. It's always a good thing when I'm around like-minded people. 
and it's always inspiring. Nick did something really cool. He said that everyone was going to go around and introduce themselves, what they do, how they can help others there, and how they need help. Because he was right in saying, you know, most of us never ask for help. And that's one of the things I always say on this podcast is ask people for help. They want to help you. And what was so amazing about this crowd of like-minded people is that we have the intention of helping everyone rise. There's none of this bullshit of like, oh, this person is thirsty. It's like, no, let's give everyone enough fucking water so that everyone is hydrated. You know, the saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. That is my mantra. Anyone around me, I want to lift you up to no jealousy, no scarcity. Just because someone else is winning doesn't mean that you have to lose. It means, hey, there's proof that you can win too. This can be done. These are the types of environments I thrive in. These are the people that make me feel alive, the situations that I know I am in for a reason. This is what I'm meant to be doing. And we have this intention that is beyond ourselves. It's not us trying to reach goals that only serve ourselves. We all want to make the world a better place. We all want to have less harm and suffering done to animals. We want humans to be healthier and happier. And we are all there in all of these very individual things that we do career-wise, but with this very similar hope and goal. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I love being a part of it. And if you want to be a part of it, we would love to have you reach out to me and let me know if you want to come to the next one. I also throw vegan dinner parties as well at Sugar Taco. We had our first one last December, I believe. And I'm going to be having one coming up fairly soon. It's springtime. I think it's time for the next one. So if you'd like to be involved, let me know. Did have a little bit of a psychic moment at this dinner party. Nobody knows about it. So out of all of the people that were there, like I said, about 50 people, there were like VCs, there were people that working in food tech, people working on companies that are doing cultivated meat, just like really cool shit, really cool people. This one girl who was there was not vegan. And we are okay with that. It's amazing when we're not preaching to the choir. You know, that's how you make change. So this one girl, she got up and introduced herself and she said, I'm not vegan. And that's because of my culture. It's very meat heavy. And all the vegans there collectively rolled our eyes inside, not outwardly, because we were being polite. But we've heard every excuse anyone can ever give for eating meat. And we were kind of like, oh, you should have read the room before you said that. But everyone was just being polite regardless. My one friend, however, decided she didn't want to sit for the rest of that. So she got up, went out to the street, and at which time I realized I needed to put money in my meter. The meter that I parked at was only good for an hour. I had to go back and fill it. And as I'm going to my car, I see her standing there smoking a joint. <laughs> and she was like, do you want to hit this? And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? And I just did one hit. And I don't know what she had. I need to find out because this might be the strongest weed I've ever smoked in my entire life that only one hit did this to me. And after I took it, she goes, yeah, it's really strong. I'm like, okay, thanks for telling me after the fact. I go back in, I sit down, and I normally don't smoke when I'm in social situations because, you know, if it affects everyone differently. But for me, it makes me very quiet. And I go so deep into my head and into my thoughts, I can't even talk to you anymore. And that's not good for a social situation. In this moment now, I'm becoming strangely psychic, which I didn't realize it can happen just from smoking weed. Normally, what I say is when I drink, it happens. So now I'm sitting there and this guy is in front of us who I don't know. 
and he's introducing himself and what he does. And in my head, I said everything before he did. So he's standing there and he's like, hi, my name is whatever. And I'm a and in my head, I go landscaper. And he goes landscaper. And I've been doing this for and in my head, I go over 40 years. And he goes, over 40 years. I'm like, wait, whoa, what is happening? How did I know he was a landscaper? How did I know how long he's been doing it? So then I start rationalizing it. I'm like, okay, well, the way he was standing there next to the tree, the way he had his hand propped up on the tree, he looked like a landscaper to me. That's probably why I thought that. Just basically to tell myself that I'm not being psychic. It was just weird that that happened. But good to know if I do want to bring it on, which I don't ever do, but my friends want me to. I can do it from just smoking and not drinking. So that was Saturday. And then Sunday, I took Ivy to the only rainforest cafe that is still left in California. We used to love going to the one at downtown Disney in Anaheim, but that closed. That was supposed to become a hotel, but then that never happened. And now it's the Star Wars I don't know. Is it a restaurant, a store? I don't know. It's something to do with Star Wars. I haven't been in there. But it seemed as though rainforest cafes were closing down all over the country. I remember there was one in Palisades Mall up in New York. That one closed. I think all of them in California closed except this one randomly in Ontario Mall, which is an outlet mall. Rainforest Cafe had an over two hour wait. I was trying to convince Ivy to eat at the bar, but she would not. She wanted to be in the mix of everything. So we were like, okay, we have two hours to kill at the mall. What are we going to do? Let's walk around. First thing I see that made me go, hmm, was, you know, normally you see the chair massages in the middle of the mall. And I don't think that that's too weird, but instead of a chair massage, it was reflexology, which is like a foot massage. And they hit pressure points on your feet. So I walk by and I see this man with his feet up in the air getting his foot massaged. I was like, that's weird to see in the middle of the mall. But we keep walking. Next thing we come across is a human crane machine. (laughs) So (laughs) I was trying to convince Ivy to get into this stirrup looking thing. And it lifts you up and you, I guess, control it with this joystick. And then you drop her. And she would, with her arms, have to collect the stuffed animals and prizes that were down below. And I'm equal parts horrified that this thing exists. And, oh my God, we have to try it. But I could not convince Ivy to do it because she was wearing a dress. Not the right outfit for this. So then we're walking and we see a Bath and Body Works. I cannot stand Bath and Body Works. I don't like the sense of anything that they have in there. I don't get it. But... My child loves it. She begged me to go in every time, no matter what mall we're at. If there's a Bath and Body Works, she needs to go in and buy something. So I guess among nine-year-olds, the fragrance of the moment is champagne toast. And she's been looking for it every time we go into one of these. And it's sold out, but this mall had it. So she got her little spray bottle of it and was very happy. When we were online, there was a man next to us with a makeshift cart on wheels. So it wasn't a shopping cart. It was a bin, like an industrial type bin that he attached legs and wheels to. And he brought it into Bath and Body Works. And he's loading up bag after bag after bag. I don't know what this man is doing or what this is for. And I wish I asked. He spent over $3,000 in the store. What is he doing? I have no idea. 
but he was on a mission. Which leads me to my other question. Why aren't there shopping carts in malls, especially around Christmas time? When you're carrying around all those bags, some sort of cart would be nice that you can bring in and out of all the different stores, right? So we leave. We're still killing time. We're still walking around. I see way too many old men sitting there, people watching, licking ice cream cones. Like, what What are you doing, sir? What are you doing? Walk by the Crocs store. There's a velvet rope and a line outside of Crocs and a woman letting people in one by one and making people wait. I was like, whoa, are you stealing this from Louis Vuitton? Like, this is now the thing that all the stores are going to do to create interest? Crocs, you're doing this? The Lego store did it as well. We perused the food court. I didn't like any of the options. We were looking at a Sabaro, which reminds me of my youth. Burger King, some sort of Philly cheesesteak place. Hot Wings place, Hot Dog on a Stick, which I hear they have vegan dogs. Whichever is the place that always has the, what is it, Bourbon Chicken? Is that the name of the place or is that the dish? I don't know, but how they always have the people that stand outside with the little samples. There was one of those. I think that's it. There was nothing, nothing great. But we did get some fries at one of the places, which were terrible and not cooked. Why can't people cook fries? Why in California do I have to say well done just to have my fry not raw in the middle? What else did we find at this interesting mall? Oh, okay. So another thing we came upon in the middle of the mall was teeth whitening. And I saw a man sitting there with one of those things that, you know, you put in your mouth to keep your mouth open. If you've ever gotten teeth whitening at a dentist's office before where you should be getting it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So this guy had this thing in, all of his teeth completely exposed with a UV light right on him in the middle of the mall getting teeth whitening. So our time finally passes and we finally get to Rainforest and we get an amazing seat near the waterfall and the cheetah and the ape and the elephant. And Ivy absolutely loved it. I wanted to go to the gift shop because years ago I got a mug and it was my favorite mug. And I could have sworn that when I moved from New York to California, I brought it with me. That's how much I enjoyed drinking my coffee out of this mug. It was this dark green color. It had the frog cha-cha on the outside. And then on the inside of the rim, it said cha-cha, practical joker, wide-eyed adventurer. And I would drink from that every morning with my coffee and be like, that's me. I'm a wide-eyed adventurer. But it was a perfect oversized size. The handle was perfect. It's hard to come across a perfect coffee mug. And this was it. But they do not sell them anymore. And I actually posted about this. And so many of you sent in links for eBay sales. And at first I was like, thank you so much, but I'm not buying a used mug. Like I'm a germaphobe. That's gross. I'm not doing it. But thanks anyway. And then it got me thinking, oh, my God, what do I do every time I sit down in a restaurant when I'm drinking from a cup or a mug or using utensils? And oh, my God, like I don't even think I could think about this anymore. And I'm a restaurant owner. But still, the germaphobe in me is like, oh, my God, every time we go to restaurants, we're eating or drinking from things that other people have. So it's pretty hypocritical for me to be like, I'm not buying a used mug because that's gross. But still, I'm not buying a used mug because that's gross. (laughs) If anyone knows where I could get a new one, let me know. Ivy absolutely loves malls. I think it's because she was born from someone who was from New Jersey. And I have mall culture in my blood. Like, this is what we did as kids. My girlfriends and I would be dropped off at the mall. 
I don't know if this is too young of an age to do now, but when we were like 11 and 12, we were doing this. Our parents would drop us off at the mall and we would spend hours there. We would go shopping. We would eat. My friends would steal shit. I'll never forget this because, you know, I went to CCD, Sunday school. They didn't teach us much there. I can't recite anything from the Bible after spending nine years in these classes and going to church afterwards every Sunday. But I do remember the Ten Commandments, and I do remember learning about stealing, thou shalt not steal. And I took that seriously. I still do. So when my friends and I would go to the mall, they would go into this one specific store where they would shoplift. And there was five of us, but only three of us committed the crimes. The two of us, me and my friend Michelle, who also <laughs> went to Sunday school with me, we would sit in the bench in the middle of the mall and wait for our criminal friends to go steal their shit and then meet up with us again. We opted out of the theft. I will never forget that. <laughs> and I, I will never forget my reason why. I'm like, no, that's a sin, not stealing. Well, I'm looking forward to going on this trip tomorrow. I'm going to stop in Solvang, which is a Danish town with a bunch of desserts that I cannot eat because not one of them is vegan, I'm sure. But it's cute to see the Danish architecture, and I think Ivy will love it. So we're going to stop there. And then I'm going to show her where I used to live in San Luis Obispo, and we're going to walk around and go to downtown, and we'll go to the beach. I'll go visit Batman number one. I buried part of his ashes on a cliff overlooking the ocean. That's where I got Batman number one when I was living there. And then I remember going to the drive-in to watch The Dark Knight, and I brought him with me. And I was like, your name shall be Batman. And then sadly, he passed nine years later. And now I have Batman number two. But before I got Batman number two, I took some of Batman number one's ashes up to San Luis Obispo, and I buried them on a cliff. And when I was doing that, this one seagull came over. He was with me the entire time, and he was like crying. And I don't know if seagulls normally tear up, but it felt different. And I was like, is that you, Batman? Is that you? And I have it on video. So whether it is or isn't, I'd like to believe it was him. I'm going to go to my old bookstore. And if the painting is still there, I will harass them again to buy it from them. They will never sell it. But every time I go in, I have to ask to buy it. And it's not even an artistic, beautiful painting. It's kind of ugly. <laughs> but something in me wants it. And I've always wanted it. And the owner will not sell it. The owner did it himself. And he won't sell it. Not for sale. It has birds on it flying with their wings spread and then there's caution tape on it as I said it's not pretty and it has the words if you want to be dead move to New York if you want to be rich move to Los Angeles I think that's a line from a book from what they told me I'm not even sure but moving from New York not directly to Los Angeles but to San Luis Obispo subsequently I moved to Los Angeles after that something about that painting said I needed to have it there was something about it, and there still is something about it, and I don't know what it is, but I always attached that to my idea of writing a book. I moved to San Luis Obispo to write a book, which never happened. Long story, I've already told it on the pod, but I sold my business in New York City when I was in college. I had a personal training business, built it up, grew pretty fast. I had several trainers working for me, sold it to one of my trainers to move to San Luis Obispo to write a book, trusted this trainer, did a handshake deal, got nothing in writing, and she stole my company from me. Was going to be on a payment plan, which she never paid, stole all my clients. Lesson learned, 
It was shitty at the time, but I'm grateful for it now. However, because that happened, I had to get a job. I had planned to live off the money of the sale of my business, which never came. So I was like, guess I better get a job. And I ended up getting a job in a real estate office in San Luis Obispo. And that's how I started my very long real estate career that I'm finally out of. I haven't written the book yet. And that needs to happen. I'm so grateful that I met someone the other night who offered to help me. You know, I've had two podcast listeners write a book within the time that I've done this podcast. I was very honored to review it and and have my little review on the back cover of Therapy and Other Drugs by Miss Christina Brown. And she's inspired me. She's given me that kick in the ass that I need to start it. So something about this trip, going back to San Luis Obispo, where my whole California adventure began, bringing my daughter back there now. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping when I return, I will start this book finally. So speaking of traveling and hotels and all of that, I need to tell you about that haunted hotel in Riverside. We went back a second time. We went there for a festival of lights in Riverside, California at the Mission Inn Hotel. Little pop culture trivia here. The Mission Inn Hotel is now owned by Casey of Casey's Cupcakes, who was on Laguna Beach. And her brother is Doug. I believe his last name is Reinhardt, who I think played baseball, who may have dated Elsie from Laguna Beach and the Hills. So their family owns this hotel now. I was also told that Casey's Cupcakes began because Casey went on some sort of baking competition show and won. And that's how her cupcake business was born. And so they actually have a retail store on the ground floor of the hotel. So I go there for the Festival of Lights during Christmas time. It was really cool. Ivy loved it. They had fake snow. And I also had brought my mom. So my mom said, I love this hotel. I want to come back. I want to stay here. And I was like, Mom, I really have no desire to stay overnight in Riverside. It's only like 45 minutes away. Like, why do we need to stay overnight? And she was like, I just left this hotel. I want to stay. I'm like, okay. So we end up going... I don't know when this was, a month or two ago, maybe two months ago. We go back and we stay overnight. We have dinner there. It was really nice. And by the way, this hotel, I didn't know it was haunted. But when we were walking around the first time that we were there, I felt some shit in this hallway. So I take out my camera and I start recording video because a lot of times the phone can catch things that you can't see with your eye. And I look back in the video and I see these like orbs moving around and stuff. And I'm like, oh. That's interesting. So I was like, is this hotel haunted? I'm like, I'm getting some weird feelings here. And my mom's like, I I don't know. I mean, it's super old. It was built in like the late 1800s. So I go home and I look it up because I couldn't shake this feeling. And I was looking at the video over and over again. I'm like, I caught something in this video. Turns out the hotel is built on top of catacombs where thousands of people are buried. And not only that, supposedly they were hung down there too, or hanged. I believe the term is hanged. So they were killed down there. And then in addition, the original owners of the hotel died in the hotel and are said to have stayed and they haunt it. And there's this one room that is closed off because it was the owner's room and it's like roped off. No one can stay there. And there's like a plaque outside of the door with her name on it. So now knowing all of this information, after I got back from my first visit, I knew the hotel was haunted. So now I know I'm going to be staying overnight in a haunted hotel. Great. We arrive. We get our room. We go up to the room to open the door. Can't open the door. It is locked from the inside from the latch. You know the little latch that you have to be inside the room to kind of flip over onto the door? Yes, that was flipped over. That was engaged. No one was in the room. 
so we could not get in. I was like, is this a bad sign? Someone does not want us staying in this room. Out of all of the hundreds of rooms, how did this happen? And how did cleaning people just clean this room and were able to get in there? Fine. But now we're trying to check in and we can't get in. So we have to go down and they said, we're going to send maintenance. And they did. And now I take my camera out and I start recording it again. And again, I see all this activity in my video in the hallway as the maintenance man is trying to get us into the room. I was like, why did this happen? I had a feeling how it happened, but I wanted to see if he would be honest about it or not. And he's like, the last people who left must have just slammed the door too hard and it just, the lock just flipped over. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's test his theory. I go and slam the door as hard as I possibly can. Nothing happens. For some reason, we still all think, no big deal. We're not going to switch rooms. We're going to stay in this room tonight. We go walking around, exploring, we go to dinner, and then we come back. Everything's fine. I don't even feel weird things. And I go to bed. My mom is in her own bed. I'm in a bed with Ivy. Then around a little after midnight, we start hearing all of this laughter, but it's children's laughter. I heard it. My mom heard it. Ivy heard it. And we're just assuming it's kids outside our window. What is going on? Where are their parents? There was no one outside the window. And this continued for maybe an hour. So we fall asleep and then it happens. I wake up and I feel something sit at the foot of my bed as if someone was sitting down. I look, there's no one there. And then I feel this thing lay down in between me and Ivy. It's now laying in the middle of my bed. I'm on one side, Ivy's on the other asleep. My mom's asleep in her bed. I go to scream and nothing will come out. It's like those dreams when you try to scream and you can't. I was trying to yell as loud as I could and nothing would come out. Finally, I got the tiniest, wimpiest scream to come out of me. It was like, <laughs> but it woke up my mom. And when that happened, it left. I didn't say a thing to my mom. I let her fall back asleep. I somehow go back to sleep, wake up the next day, and very casually, I'm like, oh, you know what happened last night? Did you hear me scream? She's like, yeah, I thought that was Ivy. I'm like, no, that was me. You want to know what happened? And I tell them, I will never forget it. I was scared at the time, but then the next morning I was very nonchalant about it. I'm like, yeah, that happened. But if you're into these things, it's one of the, if not the most haunted hotel in America. So check it out. It's great at Christmas time if you want to book a room then. There's a couple of rooms that are said to be the most haunted. We were not in any of those rooms, but it's the second floor and the fourth floor. We were on the second floor. And I believe it was room 215 that's the most haunted on the second floor, which I passed by. And I think I was able to look in because the door was open. I didn't feel anything like particularly weird coming from it. But it's a beautiful hotel, amazing architecture. It does not look like it's anything in America. It looks like a castle, kind of. It looks like it could be from Game of Thrones. Before I end, I will leave you with one last story, which I discussed in my Instagram stories because a tour was just announced. The All-American Rejects, Newfound Glory, Motion City Soundtrack, The Starting Line, and The Get Up Kids. I mean, I have stories about all of these bands, amazing memories, but the one that I wanted to tell you about actually changed my life, and it happened with The All-American Rejects. I asked my cousin if she wanted to go to an All-American Rejects show in Montreal. This was like a spontaneous, on-a-whim thing. She was fighting with her boyfriend. They eventually broke up. I was trying to cheer her up, get her out of town. And she initially said no. She ended up changing her mind and saying, yes, let's go. So we get tickets. And 
We're at the All-American Reject show. Amazing live performance. However, she left me to watch this show by myself. She was feeling super depressed about her breakup and didn't want to listen to any of the music. So the show ends. I go out and I find her and she's chatting it up with the guy selling T-shirts for the band. We had plans to go out to a bar, which was close by. It was just across the street. And it was called Le Fouffon Electric. I'm probably butchering that. But in English, it translates to the electric buttocks. For that reason alone is why I chose to go to this bar. She told the merch guy that that's what we were doing. And he said, oh, that's where we're going to go also. Let's go together. He goes, I just need help carrying these boxes out and then we'll walk over to the bar. So now I'm carrying a box of All-American Rejects t-shirts. My cousin's carrying another one. And this guy's carrying however many. And we end up following him on to the All-American Rejects tour bus. The person who I was just watching for over an hour perform and probably falling in love with, Tyson Ritter, now walks onto the bus, takes his shirt off because he's sweaty. And now I'm looking at him on his bus and I'm sitting next to my cousin and I'm grabbing her leg. And I was like, oh, my God. Tyson then says, I just need to clean up and then we can go. He cleans up. We walk over to the bar. Now we're all hanging out. And I'll never forget this one shot that we all did because of the name. It was called Juicy Wet Pussy. (laughs) And the combination of ingredients still baffles me to this day how it tastes good. Let me see if I can remember what was in it. I know it was pineapple juice and I think it was Bailey's. (laughs) And it was one other thing. And I, oh man, I wish I could remember what it was. But basically the mixture of the pineapple juice in the cream-based Bailey's, by the way, I was not vegan at this time. I was vegetarian. It was like, oh, peach snaps. Okay. Peach snaps, Bailey's, and pineapple juice (laughs) was what made this juicy wet pussy shot. We all have it. Strangely, it's delicious. And now I'm talking to Tyson, and he is now on some sort of vocal rest, so he can only whisper. So the entire time at this bar, he's whispering. And then we all go out for pizza afterwards, where we discussed vegetarianism. Everyone was super nice, super respectful. We had a great time. And at the end of the night, Merch Boy asks my cousin for her MySpace. She didn't have MySpace yet, and I didn't have MySpace yet. So she got his. I guess he wrote it down or something, and she took it. So we leave, and she asks me, can you create a MySpace so I can talk to this guy through you? She was, like, possibly getting back with her boyfriend but didn't know and didn't want to do anything to maybe upset him or ruin the chances of them getting back together. Spoiler alert, they did get back together but then broke up and were never together again. But in this interim, she wanted to talk to the merch guy through me. So now I create a MySpace account. I'm facilitating their talking. I don't think anything ever happened with it. That's not even the point. The point is I created MySpace because of this night. After creating MySpace, remember you can pick your music, I guess, that you like and your top eight. You could follow other bands and stuff. So all I did on MySpace was just follow all the bands that I liked. One of them being Straylight Run. Days later, I get a notification of a Straylight Run concert in my area in Hoboken, New Jersey. So I'm like, ooh, I want to go to this. So I click on it. I try to buy tickets. And there was no ticket link. I couldn't figure it out. So I respond to the Straylight Run post. How do I get tickets to this? Will, the drummer, who is one of my best friends to this day, Will Noon, writes me back. And he was like, oh, I think it's just a college show. You have to be a student at Stevens to go. But I'll put you on my list. How many do you want? 
And I was like, oh, that's so nice of you. Just me plus one. I met him after the show. It was all access. So I go back. I introduce myself. I thank him for the guest pass. And from that day on, we became friends. He was from Long Island anyway. So when he was home, we would hang out. I would always go to all of his shows when he was in the area. One of the shows that he asked me to go to was in South Hackensack. It was with four years strong in Bayside. I was in a depressive state. I remember that. I remember going into my room and be like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to lay in my bed and be depressed. Eventually, I was like, Jamie, just get up and go. Go. Just go see your friend. Go. So I ended up going to the show, and he's like, okay, I got to go on stage now. Here, talk to Gabe, our sound guy. So now I'm talking to this guy who is from Central Coast, California, San Luis Obispo, and he's like, have you ever been to Central Coast? I was like, no, I've only been to LA and hated it. (laughs) And he's like, no, you have to go to Central Coast. I have toured all over the world, and it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. You have to go. And he's like, when I'm not doing this, I manage a hotel out there. I'll hook you up with a stay if you want to go. I was like, hell yeah, I do. Okay, let's do this. And he booked me like a week to stay there for free. And I remember like landing in San Luis Obispo Airport and it was in April. And I remember just seeing green everywhere. And coming from the East Coast in April, it's not green at all and it's cold still. And I remember just seeing this beautiful landscape and I was like, oh my God, where am I? This is so beautiful. And I remember everyone just being so nice. Basically, Oprah said San Luis Obispo is the happiest city in America. Or someone said that. Maybe a magazine said it and Oprah repeated it. And that's why it got big. Either way, it's supposed to be the happiest city in America. It's true. Everyone is just so kind. I extended my one week stay to two weeks and I never wanted to leave. And I was like, this is where I need to be. (laughs) And I went to Big Sur during that time. I did that hike where I had the epiphany about writing my book and moving to California, I literally heard the words in my head, move to California. And that's when I decided to sell my personal training business and move to California. That sequence of events never would have happened if my cousin and I did not go to Montreal to see the All-American Rejects. And that is how my mind works. I think of all of these little details that led up to where I am. I think life is so interesting when you do that because even the bad things you can then see served such an important purpose and a purpose I would say we chose before we came into this life. That is my belief. I do think we choose the people who hurt us, who love us, who change us, who put us in the right direction, who teach us lessons. And I think it's really interesting to look back at all your little decisions at the time that you thought meant nothing, were so meaningless, but they literally could have changed the course of your life. And had I not moved to California, I wouldn't have met Ivy's dad I wouldn't have had Ivy, probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? It doesn't matter. But I can thank the All-American Rejects for my daughter even existing in this world. So with that, I need to decide which All-American Rejects song I'm going to play. I would normally go with Swing Swing, classic, the first song I ever loved from them. But I don't think we're going to do that one. I love Dirty Little Secret, but I hear it a lot. You know which one I don't hear a lot? But it's equally as good as Swing Swing, Paper Heart. Here it is. Hope you have an amazing week. Love you.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.